Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. And this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Uh, we're glad that you're here to listen, but we'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, thank you for joining us uh, on this Sunday morning for a time of worship and uh, for a message to, to, together, for connecting uh, with, with each other. Thank you for, for joining us. Um, if you can or if you're interested, please uh, take a look on the side here. You'll see uh, a place to leave some comments and connect with, with each other, and we just think that that's a small but super important way for us to kind of connect and, uh, and be in touch with each other this Sunday. Hey, last Sunday we did something uh, that was beautiful to me. We got a chance to be together again, albeit all separated out, uh, socially distanced, but we had this really great chance out at Camp Chestermere uh, to worship together, to listen, uh, to to see each other, and it was a small thing. It was it was both beautiful and awesome, and also reminded me of the great sadness um, that a lot of us are facing and being apart from each other. Hey, we were also going to have some baptisms last Sunday. We were going to have baptized about six people, and that didn't happen because uh, our lake water was gross or something, and so we couldn't go into it. And so, uh, yeah, we continue to have hope and faith that 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 there's going to be better days uh, ahead for us, and we do hope to have some of those baptisms here happening in September. Hey, I'm going to pray for us this morning. Uh, We're about to enter into a new sermon series about time, about how we spend our time, what God thinks of time and, and, uh, and, and how we trust God with it. So let, let me pray for us and uh, we'll step right into, to our, um, to learning a bit this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us that you never leave us alone. Thank you that you've given us this amazing gift of time. You've given us a certain amount of days and hours and seconds, and sometimes we think that this time is something that we can um, use to our discretion, and we think that we are the best uh, judges of what to do with our time. But you, Lord, you you know us. You know that we're fragile. You know that we need rest, um, and you love us. But you've given us an amazing gift that many have not been given, and it is this gift of time to experience life. And so we pray that this morning and throughout these next few weeks that you'd open our imaginations to see what the gift of time means. And may we step in to your time well. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I first had uh, an interesting experience thinking about my own life when I was about 23 years old. Of course, when you're in your early 20s, at least for me, you know, you kind of take life by the horns and rush in and see what this wonderful gift of life is about. I remember reading this article about uh, about a prime minister of Britain. Uh, he became the prime minister of Britain in seventeen what is it seventeen eighty three, and his name was William Pitt, and he was the youngest prime minister of Britain. He was twenty four years old. And it was a, it was remarkable to me as a twenty three year old reading about this twenty four year old who became this prime minister, the youngest. And not only was he a prime minister, but he was a good prime minister in a lot of ways. He he worked, his friend William Wilberforce was working towards the emancipation of slaves and the ending of slavery in the British Empire. And William Pitt was, was working this through Parliament. And, uh, 
And it was remarkable to me because to think that he was, you know, playing with his Lego uh, when he was just 20 years ago and now he's the prime minister of a country and leading remarkable change. It made me think. I had this, like, existential crisis moment where I thought, what am I doing? I'm 23. What am I doing? What am I doing with the time that I've been, been given? Sometimes it's important to stop and look at other people's lives and, and uh, not to compare but to just sit and ask some hard and deep and probing questions. But it's not as clear-cut as that. William Pitt uh, ended up dying pretty young, actually, at 47. And when he died, he uh, says that he wasn't a social guy, so he didn't have much for friends. Uh, he, some girls tried to date him, but he didn't really want to do that, so he never had a wife or kids. And he uh, spent his money poorly. He did a lot of drinking, and he lost all of his money, and he was uh, like really deep in debt. So his life ended kind of tragically. He did something really uh, surprising and amazing with his young life. And, and it leaves us with a bit of a paradox. Who is this guy? And, uh, and it kind of represents a bit of our paradox in life. We are given so much time. Uh, we are given amazing gifts. We are given amazing experiences. And sometimes that leads itself to something good. And sometimes it doesn't. And it's a mystery. Something similar to happened to my daughter. Uh, she experienced something of a disappointment. We were in Walmart one day and we were looking in a toy section. She found this toy. It was I just remember it was round. I don't know if it was like a surprise toy or something about it. But as she had this interesting toy, she 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 wanted it uh, like really really badly. So we had to talk about it. And I said, this toy probably won't bring you the happiness you're thinking about. And she thought about it and so she said, well, I've been saving up some money. So we came came home, and uh, a few days later, we opened up her piggy bank. We pulled out the $8 or whatever it was for this toy. She gathered it up, and we went back into Walmart. Uh, she found the toy, held it really close. She was so excited for it. Laid it on the conveyor with her pile of nickels and dimes and quarters and uh, bought it. Brought it home, didn't open it in the car, brought it home, unfolded it here, opened it up, whatever it was. And guess what? It didn't do anything. It was just a thing. She opened it up, and it was just to hold she was so excited. She had built it up in her mind for so many days that this is what she would spend her hard-earned nickels and dimes on. And when she got it, it wasn't good. It wasn't satisfying. It wasn't what she expected. And she was deeply disappointed. And it, and it took a little while. I, I let her sit with that disappointment for just a little while. And then I sat down and I said, do you remember when we talked about this? That this probably wouldn't bring you the happiness you were expecting. And she, and she, she agreed. I said, I'm, I'm not mad that you got it. I think that this is something good to, to think about. You wanted something to make you happy and you took all that you saved up and it didn't. And we sat with that for a little while and I let her sit with this dis disappointment and, 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 she, and we had a really good long talk about what we do with our money, with our time, with our anticipation, with our excitement. And that toy I think was a good representative of it. It wasn't bad. It was just a moment to think and pause and reflect. Hey, we're about to, or we are entering the sermon series called This Time, where we're taking a look at what we do with our time, what God intends for our time, and what it means to live with the time we have well. But here's the interesting thing. It's not as clear cut as we might think. There's something very simple about what, what we do with our time, but it's not simplistic. And so we're going to go through the journey of complexity to get through the simple uh, posture that the Bible might set out about time. But to do that, it's a bit of an awkward and interesting journey. And we're and to do that, we are going to ask some big questions in the book of Ecclesiastes. 
I think one thing I love about the Bible is that um, is that it takes things pretty head on. It takes a look at things that we don't often talk about and and it makes them acceptable conversation. I remember growing up, my grandma liked to talk about death a lot with with me, not in some sort of like gruesome way, but she didn't want death to be something that was mysterious. Uh, Interestingly, she's the one grandma that I have that is still alive and she still talks about when she dies and what her funeral is going to be like and that sort of stuff. But she she took the mystery out of death and she wanted to do that, I, I think looking back, because she loved me. She loved me enough to not keep something like that a mystery to me, not keep it something that was scary. Uh, but or I should say she left the mystery in it, but she didn't want to make it scary. She wanted to make it something that we could keep out on the kitchen table and know that we were going to die. Know that life is going to end and how we live this life is important. We don't have to be fear, fearful about it all. And she instilled with me something that I think was a very much uh, wisdom. And it's the heart of Ecclesiastes is to take us into big questions about our time, about our death and about our purpose in life. And... Uh, to let us sit in it for a little bit and start to make sense of it so that we can walk with a lot of freedom and hope in the life that we have. So Ecclesiastes is one of three what we call the wisdom books. Uh, There's the book of Proverbs, which is full of very good domestic, daily, business, life, relationship, wisdom. It talks about the, the thread of wisdom that goes through all of life. And we can find wisdom everywhere and personifies wisdom as this, as this woman that you need to get to know and walk with hand in hand. Ecclesiastes presents wisdom in a little different way as uh, something of a kind of a cynical, well, cynical, critical view. It takes and takes an honest look at what death and uh, time are. And so uh, this book is structured around the words of a teacher, around the words of a person who's looking at life and saying, this is, this is a mystery and it's hard and it's, actually a little bit pessimistic. And when you get it in the book of Ecclesiastes, you might pause a few times and go, what am I reading here? This is not the kind of positive uh, angle that I'm looking for. But this is what I love about the Bible. It's not always just one big positive uh, kumbaya love-in. In fact, it takes life seriously and it takes your life seriously, seriously enough to take you down a bit of a rough, bumpy road to think about it more, more deeply. The writer of Ecclesiastes, the author who's referencing the uh, the teacher in in this, says this book is a nudge. It's a poke. It's a prod. And a, and a poke and a prod aren't comfortable. To be poked and prodded by something that's true and meaningful doesn't feel good at first. But he says this is a poke because we want you to live wisely. We want you to enjoy life. We don't want you to pursue the wrong things with the time you've been given. And so I'm super grateful, actually, for the poke and the prod that the book Ecclesiastes has, and I really hope you get a chance to read some of it. So I'm going to start it out. You're going to see how interesting the book of Ecclesiastes is as we dig into it here this morning. It goes like this. These are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. It says this. Everything is meaningless. What a start. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. Uh, What do people get for their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises, the sun sets, it hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south, then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns to the rivers and flows again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. Guys, uh, yeah, it's kind of a downer right out of the gate, isn't it? No matter how much we see, 
we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. It's all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, hey, here's something new, but actually it's old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in future generations, no one will remember what we're doing now. What's going on here? What an interesting beginning to the book of Ecclesiastes. It says, meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. What a start. It says, you're going to die. Everybody dies. They're going to forget. There's nothing new. You try looking for something new. It's not really new. The sun rises, the sunset, it, it carries on long after you're, you're gone. The sun's going to keep doing the same and they're going to forget about you. This is pretty much how it starts and says meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. Well, the term that is being used here for meaningless is a word called havel. And havel means smoke or vapor. What is smoke and vapor? I got something here. I got something that I'm going to put on. And we're going to see it smoke here, I think. I hope it does. There we go. This is uh, smoke. I just put a piece, I found it in, oh, that is really smoking. I hope my fire alarm doesn't go, <laughs> go off. I did open the window, but I might have to take it outside. This is Havel. This is what the book of Ecclesiastes is talking about, is everything is like smoke. Now look, smoke looks like it, it, it has a form, right? But when you go to grab it, you can't grab anything. It comes, it goes. It's turning from something that's solid into something that's a vapor. You blow it and it's gone. Uh, this is what he's saying. Everything is. Everything is like smoke or, or vapor. It's beautiful, actually. When you look at it, smoke, it, it actually smells really good. This is a piece of some pine sap that I, that I found that I'm just burning here. It's beautiful. It's, it's passing. It is not going to be here a long time. You can't grab it. You can't control it. I can try to put my hand on it, but it still passes through. This is what the, this is how the book of Ecclesiastes and the teacher um, sets everything up to say, this is what life is. It's Havel. Havel. Vapor. <laughs> it's also, Havel means that it's mysterious. It's a paradox. It's it's hard to understand. There's something beautiful and 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 unknown about it too. I think it's lovely. I'm gonna leave my Havel here. This smoke. This is what he's saying. I'm probably gonna get smoked out here. I didn't really think through how much this would be like smoking away here, but hey, let's let's let let's keep going. So life is like Havel smoke chasing after wind he says over and over again so what's going on on here you see up until now the whole bible has been about joining in the purpose of god that there's something purposeful that god's doing something that we can join in the good work that god is 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 doing but this book is sounding pretty pessimistic about the value of life at all it seems on the surface but there's something that he's trying to get at when he says life is like havel you can't grab it hold it control it comes and goes. I might need to just take this outside for half a second. <laughs> that is that is really, really, really smoky. I guess so. See, so life has just gone gone out the window. I'm going to read a class Ecclesiastes two as the teacher goes on. He says. I said this to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. 
Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was Havel, smoke. I said, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? After much thought, I decided to cheer myself up with wine. And while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only, ha the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. I also tried to find meaning in, in, beauty, in building beautiful, huge homes for myself and planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others born into my household. I also owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than all who lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all Havel, like chasing the wind. And there is nothing really worthwhile anywhere. What an interesting picture that this paints. And it's not too maybe different for what a lot of us aim for. He's kind of calling our bluff on it a little bit. Uh, our efforts to buy stuff, even grow gardens, which I'm doing. I bought a house. Uh, I have a beautiful garden. I, uh, I want good things. I like a bottle of, of wine too. I'm going after a lot of these things and Ecclesiastes kind of takes and pokes at it for a second and says, Havel, Havel, Havel. He's just calling it out. Havel, 83 times in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says Havel. It's smoke. It's grasping at it. It's a mystery. Here today, gone tomorrow. Here's the thing. He's an equal opportunity critic. <laughs> he says this is how it goes for people who are rich or poor, who are religious or not religious, who work hard or who just vacation all the time. Everyone lives and everyone dies. Havel, Havel, Havel. This is what he, he says if you try to have political power, Havel. Do you want to get out of poverty, Havel? Are you wealthy and want to see the money go and do something good? Only to have it abused by another? Havel. What's going on here? Well, Ecclesiastes invites us to sit with this for a little while. This is a big part of it. To sit with Havel. There's some learning to be done when we reorganize our thinking about our lives. And what we do with our time in particular. You see, we can become so convinced that the way we've chosen to live our lives is the right way. That our way of life is the most important way. That the things we do with our weekends, with our time, with our money, with our, fr with our connections with other people, that it is the right way. And so we buy into our way of spending our time so wholeheartedly that if somebody steps between the way we're spending our time, the way we think our time should be spent, uh, and the way that maybe God wants to do something in us and around us, uh, we can get angry, we can be disappointed. And so Havel is this way of reorienting us, to, to speak the truth into what our lives really are in a lot of ways, and it is a mystery, a paradox, something we can't control, hold on to. 
Somebody that I was talking to who works with a lot of wealthy people said, at the end of their life, when they have everything that they want and their health is the one thing that begins to disappear. They might want to travel the world, but their health won't allow them. They'd pay millions just to have a few moments of youth and healthfulness back. Havel, they've experienced this. This teacher is stopping us in our tracks and giving us this image to kind of break something in our imagination about our control over our lives. And he takes everything, equal opportunity. That kitchen reno, Havel. That ministry project, Havel. The vacation, Havel. Netflix, Havel. The pandemic, Havel. This church service, Havel. <laughs> what makes it hard is that even good things, like doing God things, he calls Havel to. If, if we think that it guarantees us something in return. Sometimes I think that we in following God think that by following God, we are engaging in some transaction, that we do something and God guarantees us something in return. But he's saying, no, even that is Havel. We don't live that way with God, with this grand transaction that God somehow owes us something. So he's even taking that out of the equation too. Because he says bad things happen to good people. Pandemics still rage. Jobs are lost. And so you can be the best person in the world. You can do all the church things. You can give all the money to the poor. You can do it all. And your life still might be gone in a minute. Havel. Havel. So this is the crux of Ecclesiastes. That if we live this life thinking we are in control of our time, then that's Havel. This book wants to sit in that for a minute. To sit in Havel. Right now, my, my, my house smells like smoke. It smells like pine sap smoking away. I'm sitting in it. I'm sitting in the smell of Havel. I'm sitting in the reality that I'm not in control. That this life could be a vapor and be gone. There's going to be one day people who don't know the name Preston. Great-grandchildren that the name Preston is just a passing word, a piece of paper. Havel. So we have to lean back. I would think. I think that this is how we're going to start our sermon series, is to lean back and think about our time, about our lives as being something that's passing. Lean back and think like I thought about that 24-year-old prime minister, and it made me think about my own life. Or lean back like I did with my daughter, thinking about that toy that she bought and realized that that wasn't going to give her the satisfaction that she wanted. This is what Ecclesiastes wants us to do, is to lean back and think. Online, there's something called the death clock. Uh, it doesn't sound very, very pleasant, but uh, if you take a look at it, you can put in your age, uh, your health, how much you drink or smoke, your, your body mass index, a bunch of that data, where you live, and so on. And it spits out a date when you will die. And I've done two different death clocks, and they each spit out the same date. 2061. That's when I'm supposed to die. 2061. One says January, and the other one says July of 2061. I'll be 80 years old in 2061 and that says and that's when I'm going to be live, living too. You sit with that. You go, "Yep, there will be an end." Guess what? I turn 40 next year. Halfway, halfway point. All that I've lived up until now, I got another half. What is this about? To hold on to things like Havel or to hold on to life and not understand what Havel means means that you're grasping at something that you'll never grasp at and you'll never hold. But the book of Ecclesiastes ends 
This is where we're going to end. We're going to hint at where we're going to go with this sermon series. But this book of Ecclesiastes ends by offering this. That we're supposed to accept Havel. This is what it says in Ecclesiastes 5.18. Even so, I've noticed one thing. At least that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God's given them. To accept their lot in life. It's a good thing to receive wealth from God and a good thing to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life, it's indeed a gift from God. This idea of accepting your lot in life isn't to just say, accept if you're sitting on, on, on the edge of a ditch and just stay there. It's, this, this idea is saying we are accepting Havel. We're accepting that we cannot control. We're accepting this. And it offers this, the book of Ecclesiastes. It says, by not controlling it, we get to accept the mystery of it all. The beauty and the fleeting shape of it all. And as we do this, we can accept it as a gift from God. We can actually rest in the mystery of it all. That we, don't, that we aren't in charge. That it will come and it will go. And every moment is then a gift from God. And, the, and, the, and this very wise person in Ecclesiastes, he says this. Enjoy your friends. Enjoy your work. Enjoy your family. Never miss up a chance to have a good meal and sit in the sun. And this simple posture arrives us to a place where we begin to unpack what maybe we're to do with the time we have. It's to enjoy it and step into it wholeheartedly, but to see it as an abundant gift. So that's what this series is about. It's about holding our hands open to the gift of time that God has given us. Not to clench it and control it and distinctly make it our own, but to say thank you for this time. Help me to enjoy the people I share it with. Help me to enjoy the beautiful sun that I get to sit under. Help me to enjoy the food you've provided me. Help me to do it with gratitude and love for you and for others. And when I live and understand that life is haval, I begin to understand what wisdom in living this life looks like. So this week, I want you to sit with the vapor and the smoke of haval, your life. And hold it and think about what you've been holding on to. Think about what you've been grasping on and not letting go. Think about how you've been in control. And maybe God is inviting you to trust him with the control of your life. Friends, this pandemic has been a very mysterious time. It's been hard. It's been challenging. And it's actually made a lot of us question who we are and what we're doing with this time. Because actually we're getting a taste of Haval. We're getting a taste of the passing vapor that life can be, that a whole year in lockdown or whatever we're calling this can pass by. All of our plans can go out the window. I think it's a chance for us to say it's time, this time, to trust God with the time we've been given. Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these friends. Thank you for the time that we have together. May we be wise with our time. May we see our friends and our family and food in the sun as gifts from you to enjoy with this time. And may we go and may we participate in all the good things you are doing. But may we never view that as something we can control and something that we are navigating some sort of exchange with you. But that we are entering into relationship with you to enjoy the time we have 
and to live it well. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for how he shows us what time looks like. And we look forward to over these next few weeks to trust you more with our time and to trust that this life you've given us is well in your good hands. So bless us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace as you go from here with this beautiful life you've been given. Amen. Amen. Have a really good week, everybody. Take care.